get our saturated uh, goals. We want to reach 20,000 households this year. And uh, so we need plenty of volunteers to go out. It's really simple. You just go out with a little packet. Got a DVD of Jesus movie. Uh, Pure Gospel is not the chosen. It's, it's a Jesus movie. Uh, according to uh, John, I believe. It's in eight languages. There's a track on how to, how to know God personally through relationship by being born again. And then there's a postcard for the church in there with a QR code they can scan. And if they come to Christ or get curious, they can come here and find out even more. Uh, or if they get saved and they're looking for a place to land, they can know that there's a church in the area that they can land at. So, but all we do is we go out and we take these and we have maps. Um, they're, they're 3D maps. They're very clear to see what houses are what. Uh, and all you do is hang them on the doorknob. If you should encounter somebody, you can be pleasant. You can greet them and talk to them for a minute if you wish. By and large, you don't have to do a whole lot of that because it's hanging these on the doors and continuing to go so that we can get them out. So uh, if you're interested in participating in that and you want to find out more about it, see Jonathan Howe. Um, he goes out every other Tuesday with a crew to do it, but we can do it. You can do it as families, you can do it as couples. You can grab a friend and do it, you know, two, two by two that way. But we want to get this out. We want to get the gospel out to every household. Amen? Amen. We're going to release our kids to their class downstairs, Kids Church. I know they're always excited to get there. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Amen. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of the things which would be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, Whose house we are, we hold fast to confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today you will hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for years. Therefore, I was angry with them that generation with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily on what is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 
For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. Who was it that heard his voice? Was it not those who were brought up out of Egypt? Who crossed through on dry land, through the parted waters of the Red Sea? Who witnessed the miracles of the healing of the bitter waters? Who witnessed the miracle of manna from heaven? Who witnessed the miracle of quail? Who witnessed the miracle of the bronze serpent after they were being attacked by serpents and many were dying as a result of it? Who witnessed miraculous healing? Who witnessed their sandals never wearing out the entire time? One witness after another witness after another witness after another witness after another witness. Who witnessed the sun stand still in the sky so that they could conquer an enemy who was attacking from behind? They saw all this. They were eyewitnesses to the power of God. Were you aware that you can gather a crowd by simply offering them what they imagine is worth their time? In a consumeristic society, people are drawn to what is up to date with cultural trends and exciting. And if a church seeks to grow by keeping up with what's most popular to attract people outside it, then all it takes for those that are attracted to go elsewhere is another church offering the same things with a little more polish or a few more bells and whistles. When a church loses sight of the incomparable presence of God, it wears its families out trying to produce things to attract and keep people. It is unaware that it is trying to make up for what only the glory and the presence of God can offer. And when the Holy Spirit is expected to take a back seat in the gatherings and behave himself based on what people are most comfortable with, the value of the presence of God has been diminished or lost. Should it ever be okay to not rely on the presence of God in the person of the Spirit. No. No. How does the church reach the place where the presence of God has lost its value and the Holy Spirit is only expected to bless whatever the people want instead of the people desiring what the Holy Spirit wants? Mm. You know, this happens in churches when the people no longer think the gospel is important and begin to want messages about what they themselves can do. And when preaching the splendor and worth of Jesus Christ falls out of popularity, it is a danger sign. When gazing upon the crucified, resurrected, ascended, and glorified Jesus, who did all that was necessary to secure righteousness and deliver from the power of sin and death, is no longer exciting, it is a sign that unbelief and unhealthy reliance upon self is setting in. The natural ability to improve and be better is a bad incentive. Yeah. Such people can't see the need for the manifest presence of God like they need to. And when the Holy Spirit's getting his way, he's magnifying Jesus and he's offering an opportunity to experience real victory and deliverance from sin by believing the truth concerning Jesus. Yeah. The Holy Spirit knows it's Jesus who has everything that pertains to life and godliness, and he's always directing you to look to Jesus. You know, if we were to read further in Hebrews 3, you come to the place where it said, 
Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see they could not enter because of unbelief. Unbelief. Now this is written to scattered Jews, the letter to the Hebrews. They were scattered, and many of them had supposedly come into the faith and become part of church life. But some were being tempted to go back under Judaism. It would be less stressful. There would be no persecution for that. You wouldn't be ostracized by your family members. Because some of them lost mother and father. Yes. Some of them lost son or daughter. Some of them lost grandparent. Why? Because they put their trust in Jesus. They, they made a confession. And in that confession, they were saying, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And in the Jewish home, and the others in the home, it's like Islam. If they're not wanting to follow Jesus, and they think Jesus is not the Messiah, right. then you're ostracized. Yes. You're rejected. Amen. And they were feeling the pressures of this rejection. They were feeling the pressures of ostracization. How do you say that? But, and so under those pressures, many were feeling like maybe we could just wed these two things together. And here, the author of Hebrews, moved by the Holy Spirit, is telling them, you can't do that. You can't trample underfoot the blood of Christ. Amen. Don't go the way of unbelief. Don't depart from what you heard at the first. Hold steadfast. Be steadfast in your confidence. A church led by the Holy Spirit saints isn't caught up in all the things that people who are not passionate for Christ say they need in order to keep on board the ship. We don't start tweaking who we are to attract whoever is out there. A true spirit-led church is content with the presence of God. And if people don't understand it, hopefully in time they will, but we're not changing who we are so we can. Because you won't. No matter how much we change. Yeah. A spirit-led let me just say that again. A true spirit-led church is content with the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. They know that the fire of the Spirit magnifies Jesus Christ and transforms lives. They know that. And they know that the world, the false church, or any of the religious systems will never be able to offer the wonderful presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. They know that. And they also know that those truly drawn by the Holy Spirit will recognize God's presence and will be most satisfied with it. Amen. Amen. I remember having people sometimes, and Bobby will remember, we go into the prison, there would be some people saying, you don't want to do it that way. They won't understand it. They'll, you'll, you'll alienate them if you, if you speak in tongues, if you, if you lay hands on people and stuff like that. 
You could alienate. No group has ever come in here and done that before. We said, well, there's a first time for everything. Amen. Because <laughs> that's just who we are and what we do. Yes. And wouldn't you know, that's exactly what they need. Exactly. And the ones that were being drawn by the Spirit had no problem with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. No one, not one of them. In fact, they go back, and the next week we go out, more will come. Amen. To where the chapel became a useless place to meet. Right. What were we offering them? You couldn't set up a band in there. You couldn't bring, you know, professional-grade worship teams in there. Right. You couldn't have lights. And dim, they won't let you darken a room in there. No way. Ain't no way that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, you see what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. Then I went so far as I took Sheila with me. Amen. We were engaged. And they were like, are you crazy? <laughs> so the first time I took her in there and there's some whistles, I said, boys, this is my fiance. Right. And there'll be none of that. I can get forgiveness. <laughs> Amen. I'm in it too. Yes. It's not. Not a problem. Right. Not a problem. They still kept coming. We ended up in a gymnasium. We had every single person in that prison except for maximum security lockup. Right. Which had no privileges to ever leave yourself except to exercise the specific zones. What was the attraction? The presence of God. The presence of God. It was the presence of God. You remember the time they called us body and the guy went in because he was jaundiced and his liver was shutting down. And right. How they, right how they got my number, I still don't know, but they called. And they said, man, he's going to die. They don't know what to do. They can't get his liver to activate. His liver's dying. I said, it's no problem. We'll pray. We pray. Numbers went up. John just went away. Totally healed. He's back to the prison. So we did a concert. And uh, at the concert, they brought this guy. He's in a cast. They had a football team. This is a maximum security youth prison. Had a football team. He'd broken his legs. So they bring this guy in a cast. We prayed for him. You remember that? Yes. And they started trying to tear the cast off. Take it off. We said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let the doctor cut it off. Cut it off. We go along. We appreciate your firm belief, but we're not the ones that are supposed to remove it. We're okay with the doctor taking it off and taking an x-ray. and We've not got no problem with that. Yeah. So, but when the presence of God is moving, people who are hungry and desperate are drawn like a moth to the flame yes. right. to where the presence of God is active. Yeah. Right. Because there's hope there. There's answers there. There's solutions there. Right. And the solutions are not naturally driven earth, earthly solutions. They're supernatural solutions. Supernatural is not devoid of practical. But there's a difference in the practical side of supernatural versus the practical side of the natural. And God has not called us to think like natural people. Right. Amen. He's called us to function from the place of His presence. Yes. Amen. 
I'm getting away from my message here. Hallelujah, brother. It's all good. Yes. The presence of God is why human harvest, we're not worried about putting on a show. Amen. Amen. We're not concerned with bells and whistles and how to naturally excite people. I met a young man once and everybody raved about him. And I was riding all the way to Johnson City with him one day in a car and we were talking. I was just listening to his story. And then he made the comment, I'm a pulpiteer. And he said, you've heard me preach, haven't you? And I said, yeah, I have. He said, what do you think about it? I said, not much. <laughs> <laughs> he said, what? I said, I think you're prideful and arrogant and you need to repent. He said, why would you say that to me? I said, because you're trying to attract all these people by the theatrics of yes. how you preach. And I said, and yeah, you can coerce people. I've seen you do it. You can coerce them to the front to let you pray over them and everything else, but your life's out of sorts. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit tells me your life is out of sorts. You need to repent. Mm -hmm. He was later exposed as having teenage girls in a youth group that he was ministering to, being alone with them. The presence of God yes. makes the difference. Yeah. The presence of God keeps you from going. You know, you, you don't, there's places you won't go when you're in the presence of God. Amen. When you know you've got the presence of God, you just, you ain't doing that. Right. You know? The young man wants to go on a date. I've shared this with you before. He wants to go on a date with a guy's daughter. And the guy says, this is the rules. Well, good luck with that. Once they're out of your sight, they didn't keep the rules. <coughs> but if dad gets in the back seat of the car and his presence is with him, <laughs> there ain't nothing going to happen wrong in that car. <laughs> that car is not going off some dark side street somewhere and parking for a while. It's not going to happen. Why? Because Dad's in the car. The problem people have when you struggle with sin is you've lost sight of the presence of God. When you lose sight of the presence of God, it's sort of like when you snuck out of the house at night as a teenager. Anybody ever do that? Just you and me, Butch, and one lady. You know better. We're the only honest people in the whole freaking room. Why were you sneaking out of the house to get away with things that you would not do in front of your parents? Now, my innocent, my wife grew up so innocent that the worst thing she ever did was pick daffodils needles and lay out of school one time with her friend. Actually, would sneak and pack short skirts into her bag to go to school because her mom would not let her wear that stuff. So she went to school going to the bathroom to change. And then had to find the bathroom to change. It's like Wonder Woman, Superwoman, or something. I don't know. She had to change to go back home. So her mom wouldn't find out her alter ego. 
that highly fashionable. Why? Presence makes the difference. Every time. It does. You don't have to give rules to believers who understand the presence of God. You don't have to give them lists of do's and don'ts. You don't tell them, hey, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't run with those who do. The presence of God active in the believer, what does it do? It causes the believer to want to be with their kind. Not afraid of those that are not their kind and able to engage them. But they're not more comfortable with it. Right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes right. brother. Right. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. The presence of God makes the difference. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Now I get happy when I'm around sinners because it's an opportunity. Amen. <laughs> that's how I look at it. I know that's right. It's a wonderful opportunity. I love everybody. I love you enough to tell you the truth about Jesus coming and dying. Yes. Right? And that he loves you. And that's why he did it. Yes. You know? So I got no problem with that. But you know, not all of them want to hear me say that. So not all of them want to hang out with me. Right. One of the greatest tools you'll ever have for discerning is walking in the presence of God and being a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Amen. It will sort everything out for you. You don't have to do it. You'll never have to ask, is this person right to be in my life? Preach Jesus to me. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You'll find out pretty fast. This is the only one that could survive me. Sometimes she's kind of not. I was the only one that could survive her. What do I mean by survive? A bold witness for Jesus Christ. Unapologetic, bold witness for Jesus Christ. I was looking for the woman that wouldn't be offended when I said, I love Jesus more than anything, and I'll always love Jesus more than anything. And if you and I ever became anything, I still love Jesus more than anything. And I will be preaching all my life to magnify his name in the earth. And if you're not good with that, we don't need to waste any more time. In fact, she broke up with me once because all I wanted to do was go do ministry, 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 ministry. And she wasn't wrong for doing it because I was way over the top. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to do it every day. You know what I'm saying? So. Holy Spirit lead that way. But it's got to be something of the presence of God of such great value to you that nothing else is as important as it is. Now I'll save it for another message how some people deceive themselves into thinking they have the presence of God when they really don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They played some mental tricks to get there. I've been in some of the deadest situations, you know, where it was totally evident there was nothing going on there. In fact, there was demonic activity. And somebody said, man, in the presence of God, Graham, you're calling this? Right. A little frightening. 
And I've been around some strange stuff that didn't bother me a bit. So like the presence of God to me. Didn't bother me at all. I've seen some odd things in the spirit that were the presence of God. So it wasn't that it was just a strange situation. It was an upright one. You know what I'm saying? I've heard people prophesy before under a demonic spirit. And those with any discernment were good. The hair standing up on their arms and their neck. And they're like, that ain't right. And I've heard people prophesy about the flesh. I know it's not the spirit. I know it's just their flesh. But it's not the same as your hair standing up. You know what I'm saying? And then you hear people prophesy in the spirit. In the spirit. And your spirit oh. man is like, get it to me. The rest of that stuff, you're like, yeah. <laughs> presence of God is important. Yeah. It is so important. And it's important to be so familiar with it that anything that's contrary to it stands out to you in a New York minute. Yeah. 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 Here at Harvest, we want to commune with the one who's won our hearts. Yeah. And we're only concerned with what the Holy Spirit says is vital for the church and should characterize the bride of Christ. And that's why we're so committed to getting the gospel right then we focus on getting the gospel in, and then we, spoke, we, we focus on getting the gospel out to the world. Yeah. Yeah. We desire to walk in the authority of his bride. The church has been given. Yeah. You realize you've been given authority? Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Such authority. Yeah. The authority you've been given works because of the presence of God. God. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. This real church is filled the real spirit-filled church is filled with people who has a passion for Jesus that embraces everything that he offers. God's people should want to live according to the culture of his kingdom. You see, passion is not just about moments of excitement where everyone's being demonstrative. Now, everybody can get happy all of a sudden, jump up, start clapping their hands and praising the Lord. That'd be fine. That's a great demonstration. But that doesn't mean you're passionate. Yes. You're characterized as passion. That can, be, that can happen in a moment. Yes. You can get happy in a movie theater. Yes. yes. You can hear a song and get happy. Hallelujah. But that doesn't mean you're characterized by passion. Passion isn't just about moments of excitement where everyone's being demonstrative. True passion is a consistent walk with Jesus. Believing in Him and experiencing His presence. True passion drives a person to want to know more about Jesus. To want to be with others who love Jesus and want to grow in their knowledge. That's passion. True passion yearns to gather with other believers where the Holy Spirit's allowed to be and do according to His own good pleasure because they know the end result will be greater revelation of who Jesus truly is. And true passion produces desires completely unlike those the world produces. The reason in Hebrews it's saying to people, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, is it's talking to people who are discouraged and thinking about backing away. You have to encourage people to gather when they're doing what? Backing away. But if they're not backing away, they don't need encouragement. If they're moving, characterized by passion, right. 
and their value is the presence of God. They know they already have it as an individual, but they also know this key secret yes. to the kingdom of God. When two or more gather yes. in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Amen. What is he saying? I'm going to come and show myself differently to you than at any other time. Praise God. Praise God. So you, if you characterize a passion, you don't. If, if you found out Jesus was bodily on earth again, just pretend with me for one moment. The news goes out, headlines, Jesus landed in Miami, day the International Airport. It's rumored to be staying at the Hilton. What would you do? What would you do? If you believe the headline, if you really believe the headline, What would you do? Take uh, <laughs> If you didn't have the money to book the flight, you'd sell something. Yes. Right? Yes. I'm going to go see Jesus in person. Yes. Listen, that's what the gathering is. Amen. Yeah. Jesus. That's why for people who are truly characterized by passion, the gathering is not an option. Not because it's a rule or a duty. It's not an option because they have a revelation of the presence of God in such a way. They're not missing it for anything if they can help it. Because nothing else can compare to it. If the presence of God is active among the saints, nothing else can compare to it. If it can, you've lost the value of the presence yeah. of the living God. Yeah. And that's scary. Yes. That's scary. Passion moves us to do things that before we received it, we had never even thought to do. We had never even considered to it. Not one day. Passion lives the words of the song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, those with passion believe the truth concerning Jesus. And as a result, the things the world has to offer are as nothing compared to knowing him and having his presence continually. Now, I'm not saying that his presence in your life is conditioned upon what you do. His presence in your life, if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, is a fixed reality. In other words, if you're misbehaving, you're taking Jesus with you into it. And boy, wouldn't it change a whole lot of struggle if people understood that. Do I really want to bring Jesus into this atmosphere I'm about to go in? If he hadn't told me to go in to be a witness to the people inside this atmosphere, do I really need to be there? Right, exactly. 
Should I really be watching this? Jesus is watching it with me. Should I really be listening to this? Jesus is listening with me. Should I really be reading this? Amen. Come on. Because Jesus is reading with me. In the Bible, it reveals that the Galatians had began to think they lacked something, and they were losing their passion for God's presence as a result. So Paul asked them, he said, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Amen. Now, if you stop right there, you'd think that he's about to lay them out for specific nature sins, but he's not. He's going to deal with one thing and one thing only. He says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Why crucified? Because that's where he paid for your sin. That's right. That's where he suffered to set you free from sin. To liberate you. You know, you cannot will yourself into a passion for Jesus. You can't wake up one day and say, today I'm going to be a person of passion. It doesn't work that way. Passion is rooted in right belief. And you either believe the truth about who Christ is and what he accomplished and how it's applied to you, or you harden your heart through <coughs> doubt. Mm. There is no in-between road. This is not three lanes to go off this way one stay straight. It is just straight ahead, belief in Christ, or divert off the course, doubting who he is and what he did. Yep. How it applies to you. Truly. There, that's it. James said it best this way. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word but not a doer, he's like a man who observed his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, he goes away. And immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. What is he saying? He's saying just hearing the truth is not enough. Just hearing the gospel is not Enough. Right. You need to believe it and apply it as a natural part of who you are in Christ. See, just hearing results is to go, uh, just hearing, I should say, results uh, and going away and forgetting what you heard. If all Sunday is, is to get through, you know, it's a little more exciting in that song portion of the service. And we'll get through that speaking portion and then get on with the rest of my day. And I'll be able to chalk up another check mark on the calendar. I was there. I was there. I was there. 
then you're, you're not getting anything that you ought to be getting. You're missing. You'll go away and you'll forget. I can ask you on Wednesday, what was Sunday about? Well, you talked about Jesus. Well, I always do that. <laughs> yeah, well, it was something about, you know, my responsibility. See, when you can't clearly how many went to school and you had to do book reports or essays? Or, and, it, and it was all about your reading comprehension. You were given an assignment section of material in a history book or something like that, and you had to write your essay based on what you were able to glean. And it told the teacher whether or not you really thoroughly read and understood the content that you read or not. And if you couldn't do that, then you didn't get a passing grade. Am I right? If you wanted to pass your grade, you had to do that. How can you be credited as one who believes if you can't ever remember what you heard? How will you be credited with that? If you can't remember what you heard, you didn't believe what you heard. Now, we have ways of getting around this in our natural man. I'm a sight man. If you were to do presentations, I'd remember it better. Really? Well, I remember it, Tim, because I'm, I'm an auto learner. If I hear it, I got it. Really? Oh, I can't. I got to work with something in my hands. Could you do some kind of problem? Call me up and let me be part of a message. <laughs> so, I, so I could remember it. Are you following me? Yep. We find ways to get around our unbelief. And as long as we keep doing that, we won't experience the freedom for which Christ died to set us free. Amen. It is for freedom that Christ died to set you free. Yes. He wants you free. Yes. Amen. He really does want you free. Yes. Walking in the liberty that is yours in Him. Right. But you're not going to get there if you're just a hearer. Just hearing the truth isn't enough. You need to believe it. Apply it as a natural part of who you are in Christ. And just hearing is going to send you away forgetting what you heard. And that creates doubt in your heart. And when the word of God is not taken to heart, guess what happens to the heart? John did an excellent message on the hardened heart. That's what happens. The way you get a hardened heart is you don't do anything with the truth that you receive. That's all it takes. The way that you get to a place that's hard to hear God is when He was speaking to you, you didn't give any credence to what you heard. And you deafened yourself to His voice. When the Holy Spirit keeps you checking the Spirit about a situation and you ignore it, you're hardening your heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit 
And it gets what? Easier for you to move in a hardened heart toward the Holy Spirit and just be able to say, well, he never warned me. Well, that can't be true because the Bible says that he will always provide you with a way of escape. Amen. In any and every temptation you'll yes. ever face, the Holy Spirit is providing you a way of escape. Yeah. In other words, he's putting a check in your spirit. He's speaking to your spirit and telling you, you don't want to do this. You don't want to go there. Don't, don't click that. <laughs> Turn that off. I've had situations where I've been out before and felt like the Holy Spirit said, don't go there. Yeah. Don't go that way. Yeah. And lo and behold, had I gone that way, I wouldn't be here today. Right. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Been in Haiti before. And they had to say to Enos, Enos, I just don't feel good about where we are right now. We need to move. Mm -hmm. I could be asleep in a car in Haiti going down the road and wake up and say, we're coming up to a witch doctor's house. And they'd say, how do you do that? How do you wake up out of a sleep and know we're about to pass a witch doctor's house? Something's wrong in the atmosphere. Something ain't jiving with the presence of God. It's what he did with the Sinti 70 out, two to two. When you come to a house, send your peace out. Right? He gave them a way of discerning situations. He is never going to, to let you be put into a situation where he's not leading you. The question is, are you learning to follow his leadership? Are you learning to listen to his voice? If you value the presence, you will be attentive to the voice of the Spirit. And he will guide you, what, in all truth. You'll see situations a whole lot clearer than everybody else around you. Yeah. When everybody else is thinking it's a great thing, right. he's saying to you, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time years and years ago at Trinity, they had this guest minister, and he started throwing money up in the air. And I went to Steve afterwards, and I said, Steve, there's something off in this guy. There's something way off in this guy. I'm telling you, I can't put my finger on it yet, but I think there's sexual immorality in his life. He had eight children and a wife and had had an 18-year-old mistress for two years. The presence of God can show you things nobody else is able to see. Amen. Well, Kim, you move into prophetic. Oh, that's just another excuse. Yes, it is. Yeah. You don't have to move into prophetic to hear from the Lord. You're his kid. How many of you, if you knew that around the corner of the street, the second house over, you've been online, you found out there's a sexual predator living in that house, and then your kid comes in, can I go play with Billy? And he lives right next to the Lord of that house. How many of you are going to say, yeah, go down there and play? Especially if Billy says, yeah, the guy next door is pretty cool. Sometimes he get out his water hose and we play, you know. 
Come on. See, I know this has got to be hitting home because some of us have made some really serious mistakes before because we were not valuing the presence of God as we should. Amen. And we weren't listening for the Holy Spirit. And we got ourselves into situations that filled our lives with regret. But you don't need to live in regret. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to be living under condemnation. Learn from it. Grow from it. Go forward. Move on. You hear me? Let me wrap this thing up. When the word of God is not taken to heart, the heart is, it gets hardened. And the practice of believing needs to be embodied as it is essential to spiritual growth. You cannot grow as a believer from the place of doubt. It cannot be done. Because the life we live, we now live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for us. Life is by faith. We please God by faith, not doubt. Right? So believing is the work. Don't let yourself look into the law of liberty and walk away and forget the new creation you've become in Christ. Why are you a new creation? For a habitation of the Spirit. That's why. That's why. See, if you do that, if you go away forgetting, you're going to struggle. And when James speaks of not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, there in James 1.25, he's talking about truly believing what you heard so that you are changed by it. He's not talking about merely hearing it and then moving on to something else before you've allowed it to transform you. Right. Here's a practice that has been sorely missing from the modern day church and is part of the reason there are many falling away. Yeah. So it's called meditate. Yeah. You need to meditate on what the Holy Spirit is showing you. Amen. Yeah, that's it. You need to meditate, meditate, meditate until it's so embedded in who you are as a person you can't shift either. You can't shift off of it. You can't. That's You're fixed it. on it. Your compass is locked in. Yeah. Meditate on that word till it's part of who you are. And if you're struggling to own something, ask the Holy Spirit to help you own it fully. Amen. He's not offended by that. He's perfectly fine with it. Another way we've gotten around this, we came up with all these tests. It's not that they're bad, they're just tools. But I would talk with brothers, and I had one brother tell me one time, belief comes easy for you, Tim. That's your strength. That's supposed to be the strength of every child of God. End of story. Now, there are some people who have been a gift of faith. And my father-in-law here, who's with the Lord now, was one of those people. He had a gift of faith. He could believe for some crazy things. Oh, yeah. And it happened. Yeah. He anointed his old Santa Fe with oil that it would run forever. And they just had to take it to the Asian auto place because Sarah inherited it. And the guy changing the plug wires and the plugs said, I'm hanging these on my wall. These are the original wires and plugs. These are 340,000 miles on them. 
Come on, kid. Some people move in and give to faith. Now, not every believer's move in and give to faith. But when it comes to believing, every child of God is expected to be a believer. Amen. That's right. The gift of faith is for supernatural things that are uncommon. Right. Right. And so what some of these people were saying to me was not that that's why I was moving there, but rather that the reason I was unyielding in some places was my strength is believing. I believe you should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll never argue me off of that. <laughs> Try as you may. Good luck with that. Because I'm going to stand on it. I believe it with all my heart that it's real and it's true. I've seen it in the scripture. I know it's to be real. I've experienced it in my own life. I'm convinced of it so firmly that you could come and try to bring three scholars in here and stand them up and do your best to embarrass me. And I'm still going to look at them and laugh and say, what a weak, pathetic argument you've presented. Where's the power of God in you? Where's the demonstration of the Spirit? If what you have is so sound, show me something. Be like Elijah. Pour the water on the altar. Let the God who is God manifest himself. Enough of this nonsense in the last day's church that's going on. It's time for the presence of God. Amen. It's time for the value of the presence of God to override everything that we think we know. Get childlike again. Yes. Don't give up. Meditate until you own it. When Scripture speaks of the heart becoming hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, it's speaking about the sin of unbelief. We read it in Hebrews 3. It talks about the dangers of hardening the heart by not taking God in His Word. What Word? The Word of His willingness to bring you into all that He's promised you and deliver you. What were they not believing? The Israelites passed through the sea. They saw the miracles. They didn't believe. They're proof that seeing something doesn't produce faith. Faith does not come by seeing. It comes by hearing. Amen. And hearing by the word of God. With just one bad report from 10 or 12 spies... The people were convinced that God was setting them up to experience bad things by promising them a land flowing with milk and honey inhabited by giants. They could see their circumstances and became unconvinced of the faithfulness, reliability, willingness, and ability of God. And began to question why he would say that's theirs to start true. They looked at things according to the natural and it caused their hearts to doubt God. And they became suspect of God. And as a result, they could not realize the possibility of entering into their God-given destiny. As soon as you question God's willingness to do you good, you harden your heart. As soon as you question his ability or his willingness to do you good. You harden your heart. <coughs> then you look for your own solutions. And that's how you reject his presence and power for your situation. 
God is ready to meet you wherever you are and deliver you out to where he wants you to be. But he's going to do it his way, not yours. You don't get to say, yeah, God, I want to be free. And this is how you got to do it. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You need his presence and his power. You need to be convinced in faith that he's enough. God's promised his presence and power to you through his son, Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross, he was securing it for you. He did it for you. You have to believe that. When you believe that and you get yourself in a jam, you know how to get out of the jam. You go to him. And you get out of the jam. If you don't believe this, you go to the professionals to get out of your jam. You look up on the internet. The experiences of others who have gone through what you've gone through. And all of the many things in a list that they did to claim freedom, but you've never met them. And... Chances are, they're still not free. They just found a better way to hide it and pretend that they should be teaching people. So keep listening. Keep reading. Keep running to the natural worldly sources out there that can do nothing to set you free in your soul. And you'll, you'll just, eventually what you'll say is, well, God doesn't hear my prayer. God, I'm in a desert place. I'm, uh, more excuses for why you're not experiencing the presence of God. The only way you can't experience the presence of God is to not believe right. It is the only way. You have to get your believing right. You have to come back to the gospel. When the gift of his presence and power are enough, everything else fades into the background. And all of the supposed expert advice you hear out there sounds like jibber-jabber and gobbledygook. You don't need the next best seller on self-help. You don't. You need the truth of the gospel to take root in your heart. You need to speak it to yourself. Speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it until you become it. Get up every morning and look in the mirror. I am the righteousness of God. Amen. You keep saying it. Look at yourself in the eyes when you look in the mirror. Don't look down. Don't look off to the left. Don't look. Look straight in the mirror. Look at yourself and say, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes. Hallelujah. You have the presence. What would happen if you convinced yourself every single day? You have the presence of God living inside you. Amen. You walk on this earth Amen. with the presence of God yes. residing in you. Yes. 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 All things are 
believes. Him who believes. It's not so much what we need to pray for all the time, although there's places we do that. You've got to learn to tell your mountain to get out of your way. If you speak to this mountain and say, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, it will obey you. How much faith does it take for that just tiny thing? If tiny faith can move mountains into seas, what can a lot of faith do? If you agree, two of you, as touching anything, it shall be done for you. We are living way below where we can. If we just start going to task with the lies in our heads that want to raise up excuses for why we should not be expecting to see more as a result of what Jesus did to us. Not because we have it all together, but because Jesus had it. Yep. And still does. Yep. And we've been putting him and he's been putting us. Amen. Think about that. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, you in Christ. You are seated right now in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're not of this world. Right. Therefore, don't live as one subject to the dictates of this world. Amen. It teaches you that in the yes. scriptures. You are not to be a slave to anything. Amen. He's totally set you free. Set you free. The freedom you seek is in Him, not apart from Him. It is in His presence that there's fullness of joy and life forevermore. I don't have a list or a formula to give you. I have a person yeah. I've learned to rely on. Yeah. His name is Jesus. Oh. He's Amen. given his yes. good friend, part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, so to be with me. True. So true. Even to the end of the age. Yes. He's given him to me for a reason. He's my friend too now. Yes. And he's as willing to lead me as he was to lead Jesus. Amen. Amen. And if I can just have my heart positioned in faith to say, Holy Spirit, you know what lies ahead of me today. Yes. You know what's in my way. Yes. You know the schemes of the enemy yes. I can't see. Yes. I need you to lead me. I need you, Holy Spirit, to show me what I need to see. I need you to reveal the truth concerning Christ to me. I need you to anoint me to preach to myself. Yes. Hallelujah. People probably think I'm crazy sometimes when I'm alone. I'm preaching the gospel to myself. Yes. All times. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. If there's anything I'm hearing that doesn't line up with what God has said, to me, anathema. Let it be cursed, let it dry up, let it fall dead to the ground, go to the dirt. I don't need it. 
But then the experts say, I don't care what the experts say. They're not God. God was saying the, the world was round before anybody ever discovered it. And then some man got the credit for discovering the earth is round by sailing. Come on. He didn't fall off the edge of it. He, he didn't discover it. What he, what he did was expose the truth that God had already known and exposed in the scripture. But nobody was reading it to see it. God was talking about the depths of the earth, where how water functions and flows to the seas. Everything that everybody's claiming these prizes and accolades for discovery, it's in the word of God. God already knew it. I'm telling you, this is a resource unlike anything you'll ever buy or read on this planet. This is filled with the wisdom of God. And if you look at it through New Covenant lenses, I'm telling you now, your mind will be blown. And you'll start thinking in a way that's so different. Some people will think, well, he doesn't seem like he's arrogant, but is he confident? What, what is it? It's confidence. And it's not confidence in me. It's confidence in him. I have no confidence in this flesh. If I start getting all mindful and navel-gazing, I'm a wreck. I can I can come up with so much stuff wrong with me it would shock. Got no confidence in this flesh, but I got all confidence in Him who gave Himself for me. Right. Amen. He's the only reason I can stand here before you today and say the things I'm saying to you. There is no other reason. It's Him. I'm not here because I've got it so much better together than everybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm here because he called me to do this very function. And I do it from a place of believing that calling. You too have a calling. Have you figured out what it is? Has it been important enough to you to ask and see? And tell the, just say, Holy Spirit, reveal me. Why, why was I brought into the kingdom? What? What direction do you want me going in? What do you want to do with this life that belongs to you? How about that one? Man, I could preach a hundred messages on this. I really could. We could listen to them all. And so, but there's something that's been given to you in Christ Jesus that's so incredible and so amazing. You haven't even began to see the treasure. You just kind of broke open the lid a little bit and saw some glimmer. But I'm here to tell you, if you throw that lid open, that chest is packed full of the treasures of heaven itself. Amen. He has invested himself. That heaven, he is the greatest heavenly treasure there is. And that heavenly treasure has been put in what? Earthen vessels. You possess the greatest treasure that has ever existed in all eternity. Hallelujah. Yes. That's who you are. That's worthy. Yes. <coughs> if we
When you get that, everything changes. Everything changes. So I'll close by just simply saying, look to him and live. Yes. Look to him and live. Don't look to yourself. Don't seek help from other sources. Look to him and live. Can we pray? Let me do it this way. If this message moved you and stirred you, and I'm not going to belabor this point. I'm going to be very brief about it. If it moved you and stirred you to say, I, I need to start asking the Holy Spirit to, to lead me, to help me overcome some of these hindrances that I've been battling, to get my focus straight and value the presence of God like I should, I want you to come. We won't have a space for everybody, but that's okay. We'll, just, we'll fill it where we can. It's not a problem. We're just gonna we're gonna say to the principalities and the powers, we need business here this morning. We're serious about this matter of being spirit-led believers who have their confidence in Jesus Christ. Our confidence in Jesus Christ. You know what happened? Thank you, Lord. Man, I, I want to grow up in this myself. Uh, serious. It's important. Father, we come to you in the blessed name of your son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Who fought all the temptations that we are tempted to, yet he without sin. Father, we acknowledge his life within us, received by grace through faith. Nothing that we work to earn, Nothing to do with anything we did. It's his presence with us. He's here with us because of what he did. And we simply believe that. And we know, Father, that that pleases you. Because you're always pleased by faith. Lord, there's a lot that's accomplished through what Jesus did that we're not yet aware of fully. And Lord, there's even at times we're finding ourselves struggling with things here on this earth that really... It seems ridiculous that we should have to struggle with them, but we do. Yes, Lord. Lord, we, we get there because we forget your presence in our lives. Yes. And we forget the liberty that is ours in your Son. So we're asking you, Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us and open up the truth to us. And where we've silenced you at times and where we've hardened our hearts and gotten into areas of doubt in our life, we ask you to forgive us, heal us, restore to us the faith that is meant to be there. We ask you, Holy Spirit, you were given to us to comfort us, lead us, and let your peace be our director. We ask you to do that, Lord. We ask you to retrain us, re-equip us, equip us further, whatever our state may be, Lord. Lord, we take the shame of whatever's been there and present in our lives, and we lay it at the altar of the yes. throne of grace. Yes. And we discard it there. And we say thank you for the blood, Lamb of God, that thank you shed to forgive you. our sin, past, present, and future. We thank you that no more are we to be plagued by those things. And we say yes to your presence today, Lord. That's our statement here in front of this church, is to say yes Yes. Your presence. Yes. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to cultivate, to plow our hearts, break up fallow ground 
in areas and plant the seed of yearning and desire for the presence of the living God. Lord, let your presence become so great in worth that nothing will interfere with opportunities, Lord, to soak in and drink in even more of who you are. We commit ourselves afresh to you, Lord, in faith, believing that the Holy Spirit that you've given as a gift to us will never leave us, nor will you forsake us. You'll be with us till the end of the age. And Holy Spirit, for those moments where we've ever grieved you with the doubt and the unbelief, not putting our confidence in the completed work of Christ, we ask you to overlook that, forgive us for it, and now establish us in the real, right Gospel. Yes, yes, Lord God. Where Jesus has at the center, glorified yes, and magnified, having done it all. And all we can do is say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Instead of patting ourselves on the back. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you for these things. Yes. We ask you to fill us afresh today and every day, Holy Spirit. You do it, the power and the wisdom that we need to do life in these times we're living. And Lord, where the persuasion of the world try to creep in, we curse it. Yes. Command it to dry up. We, we reject it. We reject every argument the enemy's trying to raise. Or reject it. In Jesus' name. We resist it, Father, and we humble ourselves before you, the mighty God who loves us. And Lord, we look to you for life. For, for joy, for peace, yes. for direction. In Jesus' name. Jesus. Everyone said. Amen. 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 Receive it? Amen. It's yours. You're in Christ. All things are possible to him who what? Believe. So go forth believing. Praise God.